Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host Rashad Richard, we got a lot on the agenda today. Always good to be with you. Breaking down news of the day, attorney at law, Adrian Lawrence, author and TYT contributor. And in the bullpen, Kyra Davis, host of Just Listen to Yourself podcast and editor at large for Red State. Going to debate me about CRT and also the voting rights bill. Top story of the day, lawmakers have passed a law that allows high school students to bring a gun on the campus of the high school. Yep, they passed it, okay, it's a bill that they passed. Let me give you the background, put up the guy who is the chief sponsor for the bill. Let's put his picture up, all right? Republican Representative Shay Sortwell, a Wisconsin Republican, him, along with his cronies just passed a gun rights measure that includes making the state's concealed carry age requirement drop from 21 to 18, effectively allowing high school students to carry firearms on school grounds. I know you're wondering, wait a minute, doc, there has to at least be a rule, a prohibition against carrying the weapon on school property. It's already bad enough, they're going to now lower the age based on the sentiment of these Republicans. But have they not carved out a caveat to stop it from happening on a school campus? No, they did not, intentionally so. Let me give you the background. The decision was approved by the state assembly last Thursday as part of an ongoing second amendment push to lower the chamber's GOP majority, okay? It's called age of majority, we've talked about this on the show before. The constitution talks about age of majority, but it leaves that to be interpreted by the state. That's how most people interpret the rule. If you're old enough to fight for your country, this is what the Republicans are saying. If you're old enough to fight for your country, if you're old enough to sign contracts, which by the way, you can be a child to sign contracts, that's anyway. If you're old enough to sign contracts, If you're old enough to decide who the President of the United States is, we think you're old enough to be responsible with your rights and to be able to protect yourself. According to, let's put this picture up again, Representative Shay Sortwell of Gibson. He's the chief sponsor of the bill. Now, let's go to this reality that for the most part, guns are banned on school property, right? Yeah, rightfully so. Guns are typically banned on school property in Wisconsin. But according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, one of the measures would do away with this convention. The bills would also allow Wisconsinites with concealed carry licenses to bring firearms into churches, as well as permit out of staters with a concealed carry license to bring guns into the state. That's according to the AP Associated Press. Wisconsin Democrats, they got something to say about it. For their part, they have railed against this ridiculous legislative package amid the national uptick in gun violence. The Milwaukee Homicide Review Commission recorded a total of 857 non-fatal shootings in 2021. That's about 93% more than they had in 2019, damn near 100% increase. 
Guns do not belong anywhere in or near schools, said Democrat Representative Deb Andraka. Collectively, these bills, what these bills would do, they would allow high school seniors to carry a loaded gun in the car to school grounds and at school events. I want you to just ponder on that for a minute. This is not some Lone Ranger Republican who sponsored a bill that had no chance of passing their chamber. This actually got past a Republican majority. There's a saving grace here, but it may not last long. What's the saving grace? If the state Senate approves, the package will still need to be signed by the Wisconsin governor, Tony Evers, who is a Democrat and unlikely to approve it. All right, the governor is likely to veto, even though there's no statement on the record. But we are just hoping that he has more common sense than his Republican lawmakers. Don't think that because of the possibility of a, of a uh, um, governor vetoing the bill, that is not problematic. It is still problematic because what we have seen through legislative efforts is that typically there's one state that's a testing ground. And then other states start doing the exact same thing. This is problematic beyond Wisconsin and beyond this moment. All right, attorney at law, what are your thoughts here? I think you're absolutely right in terms of it being problematic. The fact is that these individuals, even if they are 18, they are still children, yeah. particularly when it comes to mental, psychological, and the thought that they should have these essentially deadly weapons on their persons when they're supposed to be in an educational environment. That is very, very much an astonishing, impractical, and dangerous thing. Who is going to be able to focus on their schoolwork, their classwork when someone next to them has a firearm on their person? What what is the purpose in that? And it just really shows you how many individuals who are supposed to be in lawmaking positions are truly benefiting from groups like the NRA and yeah. other organizations where they're just getting paid and they have blood on their hands and they're bathing in it and are completely okay with that. And it's so incredibly unfortunate, but I really think that if this is any indicia of American society, we are essentially going to be the death of ourselves. It's an insane proposition to say, you know, we want to add to the confusion of being in high school, the arguments and fights and debates that happen in high school, the chaos in high school. We want to add a gun to that. We want to add a gun to that scenario. It's ridiculous. And here's what's interesting about their law. You know, the place you cannot carry a firearm is in their building. Wisconsin lawmakers <laughs> will not let you carry a firearm inside of their building. Okay, but you can carry it, uh, carry it on the school campus, according to the bill that was passed. All right, um, a woman who decided to spit on an eight-year-old Jewish child. Let's go to the video first. Here it is. Very sad, very unfortunate, and yes, it was very racist. We have an update to the story. Let's put up the picture. The woman has been identified. Let's put a picture up, okay? 
Her name, ladies and gentlemen, is Christina Darling. All right, 21 years of age. Um, she's the one you saw in that video. The NYPD hate crime Twitter account put out an update every Friday with her identity and listed she was charged with aggravated harassment, hate crime, acting manner injurious to a child, uh, and uh, menacing uh, with a hate crime aggravator. All right. Um, here's what went on in the video. The young lady that you saw was dressed in an orange hoodie, black leggings and black Uggs. Can be seen on the surveillance video storming up to the young child and two other children on Avenue P near Coleman Street in Marine Park. This was just after 12.30 PM, Friday, January 14th. The children were standing in front of the synagogue, according to the cops. The woman who, who spat on them stood in front of them and shouted, and I quote, Hitler should have killed you all. I'll kill you and know where you live, according to the cops. She then spat, turned around and walked off, according to the children. Yeah, that woman. Miss Darling sped on his eight year old, talking about the father, sped on his eight year old son after he responded to the woman in an attempt to protect his little sister. This is according to the father. Fried also said that it was beyond crazy for an adult to exhibit such behavior and hoped that this person, this woman, Miss Darling, would understand the consequences of her action. Now, who is this person? Who is this person that will walk up and say something like that to a child and then decide to physically assault a child with her own saliva? Who would do this? All right, well, she's a psychology student. Christina Darling is a psychology student from St. Francis College based in Brooklyn. As per her college profile, she also studies education and English at the institution and she aspires to be a guidance counselor. Well, those dreams are completely out the door now. Following the incident, a petition was launched requesting her to be expelled from the college. As per the petition, Ms. Darling is active on TikTok and often posts videos of herself smoking substances. While, Meanwhile, the woman's mother, Michelle Darling, told the New York Post that her daughter suffers from mental health issues. Michelle also mentioned that she does not specifically dislike Jews. However, Christina Darling has an ex-boyfriend who told the publication that she has always expressed strong negative emotions against Jews. He also mentioned that she had bad mouth and talked down Jews, but did not think that she was capable of something so severe. Meanwhile, her former classmate said Ms. Darling was accused of being bigoted at high school, even though she had Jewish friends. The classmates also alleged she had a bad temper, Used to get annoyed easily and often said hurtful things when she was upset. All right. Um, so the school did release a statement. They did not specifically name Miss Darling in this statement. And they basically just said, hey, discrimination would not be tolerated um, on this campus. So, attorney at law, does the school have the right to dismiss her for things that she did outside of the school? Um, and were the charges appropriate against her in this case?
Well, in terms of the school, I don't know necessarily if this is a public or a private school as kind of how they handle it would be different. Um, but I think that that school definitely, if it can, uh, within the framework of whatever agreement it has with its students, it should go ahead and let her know that she is no longer welcome on campus, that it's essentially a safety issue. Yeah. Uh, that school could be waiting for a conviction to be on record and for that to be sufficient grounds to cut her loose. Uh, but I can definitely tell you it sounds like these charges are pretty strong. And I appreciate them greatly because what this woman did is absolutely, it is heinous. Yeah. And she needs to be held fully accountable. And it really sounds like she is going to get the book thrown at her. And these excuses from her mother are just, it's like, go away with that mess. But also her ex-boyfriend, essentially, I can't believe you even dated that person <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Like for you to admit yeah. that and put your name on it, God help you. But yeah. I think we know who this woman is and she is no darling. Not at all, uh, and all of her hopes and dreams. This is what happens, all right? So to any bigoted person that watches this show, all right, you gotta be real careful here. Once your bigotry is exposed, all of your dreams may go out the door. She will never be a guidance counselor, no, no matter what, never. So whatever education she has currently, for nothing, for nothing, all right? She has uh, thrown that away. Okay, the Georgia DA, Fonnie Willis, we've talked about this, I got an update. She has now received approval from Fulton County judges by way of the chief judge of Fulton County in Atlanta, Georgia to have a special purpose grand jury wholly investigate Donald J. Trump for election tampering. A special purpose grand jury can investigate based on a subject, a topic for up to 12 months. The rule is a regular grand jury only has two months and they have multiple things that they will investigate. However, this grand jury has investigative authority, subpoena power can last for 12 months and can stay on one topic the entire time. This is a big deal, rarely is this rule ever used in the state of Georgia. Remember the phone call, here's what started it, here it is. I just wanna find uh, 11,000, 780 votes, which is one more that we have. <laughs> yeah, let's put up a picture of the DA leading the investigation. She was recently elected, Miss Fonnie Willis. I know Miss Willis very well. Her daughter actually interned for me for a brief stint. So the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, last week said, hey, I need a special grand jury to investigate Donald Trump. Now it's important to note why she needed this special purpose grand jury. Individuals involved in the case were refusing to cooperate with her investigation. So you need a grand jury to issue an exhaustive investigation and subpoena. And they have subpoena power to do so, they needed this, all right? Brad Raffensberger is who President Trump was speaking with. Brad Raffensberger is the chief elections officer and Secretary of State for the state of Georgia. But the bottom line is, the statute is very clear. You cannot coerce or attempt to coerce an official to change the results of an election. There's another statute that applies specifically when you are a government official yourself trying to persuade the outcome of an election. So you have multiple statutes that would apply in this criminal investigation, okay? Uh, Willis investigating or investigation efforts um, started by Trump and his allies to overturn the election, including the infamous call to Raffensperger to find the needed votes. After Willis made her request last week, Trump repeated his baseless election fraud claims, 
What the civil special grand jury should be looking into is not my perfect phone call. He called it perfect, but the large scale voter fraud that took place in Georgia. A special grand jury is also devoted to just one case. In its response Monday, the court said the special grand jury will begin on May 2nd and continue for up to 12 months. I'm glad we have an attorney on the show today. Special grand jury has different powers than a regular grand jury. Is this a good move in your opinion by the district attorney? Oh, absolutely. You know, the fact is that you have individuals like Brad Raffensperger um, who will not cooperate absent yep. having that subpoena power. And so, in order to get the information that she wants and needs to be uh, to be able to be effective, she is going to have to have that subpoena power. So, using a grand jury to get it done is a very stealth way of getting that information, while also not necessarily exposing those witnesses. By virtue of the fact that grand jury proceedings are closed, that allows people like Raffensperger who are Republicans and do have some concern for their own health and safety as well as their career, allows them to share information in a cloaked, concealed, closed proceeding. It gives them more time before there's actually you know, a trial or any kind yep. of information without them necessar- not you know, necessarily being essentially subjected to the rebuke that will come from Trump and go. Yeah, and that's going to come no matter what. Once Trump hears, hey, this grand jury will subpoena Raffensperger and others who are involved. Lindsey Graham may get some of this action too, because there was a report that said Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham, actually reached out first and tried Mm -hmm. to manipulate the voter outcome. And then that's when Trump got involved. Let me remind everyone, this is going to be a slow moving process. It can take up to 12 months. The special purpose grand jury has the power to subpoena, but not the power to indict. So after the narrative is written by the special purpose grand jury, it will then go to a regular grand jury if an indictment is sought by the DA. All right, we got more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel great, back off!
The privilege is staggering here. This is a serial carrier, by the way, who misquoted the law. Private companies do have the right to deny service if you are violating one of their safety protocols, such as a mask mandate inside of that store. They do have to make reasonable accommodations if you have a disability. And that is the reason why you are unable to wear your mask. Reasonable accommodation can mean ordering the food or ordering the groceries and getting them outside. Okay, well, she fought the security. She obviously was not arrested. She then cited the 1965 Civil Rights Act doesn't apply here. And then she went on social media, once again, serial Karen. Let's put up the pictures because now she's saying that she was physically assaulted. Her name is Shiva Bagheri. Miss Bagheri said, my arm is swollen where he grabbed me. I mean, oh my God. So she puts the picture up, right? And then we've seen her face on multiple videos. Let's put some of those pictures up. She's gone viral multiple times. We've covered her before. Yeah. She also posted another picture. I mean, I think she's going to file an assault charge against the security officer that tried to take her out of the store based on the trespassing of this Karen. All right, attorney at law, she was told to leave. She had reasonable opportunity to leave. She decided not to leave. The security guard came to enforce the trespass against this individual to get her off the property. She then fights him back. Her arm is bruised in the process because she refused to leave. Is the security officer at fault criminally? Oh no no no! The security officer definitely not at fault criminally at all. You know he had a right to ask her to leave and also to try to remove her from the property. But if she does end up filing suit, she may not be doing so because she knows she can win. She may be doing so in hopes that essentially she might get a settlement out of it. Mm-hmm. That the um, whomever is the insurance carrier or even the grocery store owner will realize that it probably costs more in legal fees to defend the case up until the point of summary judgment, mm-hmm. and uh, there could be also questions of fact that would have to go to a jury and it would just cost too much in legal fees so might as well pay her out and that could be her angle but regardless her she is a very um, just imbalanced individual who is quite problematic for any kind of um, I guess human interaction and I would not allow her to come back to my store and under any circumstances let's highlight something that everybody's thinking do you think a black man or black woman, would get away with this over and over and over again. I mean, literally, she has made a semi career out of violating the rules of a private establishment, criminal trespassing, fighting individuals or threatening to fight them who are involved in trying to get her removed. And she is still a free person. She is still free. I guarantee you, if this, especially if this was a black man, who went inside of that store and did the exact same thing. The outcome would have been totally different, totally different. Even with a black male being the security officer, you can tell the brother was reluctant to actually do what he needed to do to remove this trespasser from the property. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because I think we all know essentially that there are individuals out there who will put you in these bad situations. And by virtue of the fact that you are black and that you are male, yeah. that essentially, hey, you're going to face um, really the burden of proof in the situation as yep. opposed to her as the trespasser. That's so right. thank God people were recording it. That's right. 
That's right. All right, I got something for everybody. Double dose. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free! Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Go ahead. Sand bitch. There you go. There you go. Enjoy it! Go back where you came from! There you go. What's your name, Stacey Hall? There you go. That's the type of I love. Enjoy it, Facebook. That's the type of I love. I'm oh. sure you do, you piece of foreigner. Oh, see the town crackheads. Look at them. Oh, there's more. You don't see the town crackheads. Business. Okay. So how about What's your name? Run some more stop signs, you piece of Alright. I'm warning you. I ain't touching yourself. Go ahead. I wish you would. What's that tag? What's the tag number? Great memory. Dumb bitch. <laughs> Something about running the stop at a Walmart, and she's over here tripping about that, which I didn't. But you know, cocaine is a hell of a drug. I'm not saying she's on cocaine, but by the way she responded. To the her being on crack, uh, and let me say this: I don't know how I knew this. Look, can we put the? Do we have the picture? Let's put up a picture of the truck. I knew that was the kind of truck she was going to be in. I just knew it. I said, "Watch this. This is the truck." And boom, there it is. Um, she called him uh, a sand n word. Continued to uh, rail against him for his nationality. And she was caught in her very racist rant. Now, madam, I don't know what your background is. I know that you are a racist individual based on the video. And I encourage you, if you are on crack, to get help, all right? Substance abuse is a mental health issue, so get the help you need. But your racism is at the forefront of this story. And it's highly unfortunate that we continue to see people who get into arguments, a dispute over a stop sign or maybe a traffic issue. And you go to this place that says this person does not deserve to exist in the space they exist in. You know where that thinking comes from? That thinking comes from the concept of white people owning others. And if that other person is out of place in your mind, you now, it is your duty to put them in their place but that's the thinking that we're challenging on a regular basis. And hopefully, what we do here on Indisputable by providing a mirror to the social dynamic of Karenicity, it not only allows for reflection, it also allows for correction. All right, attorney thoughts. Well, I would like to think that based on her response to the accusation that she's a crackhead, that she is not a crackhead, that it 
might be myth. Um, <laughs> that hey, that's what I picked up on. But you can tell just, by the way she was offended ooh, by it that she. Yeah, she'd like to think that there's a hierarchy for those, you know, high caliber drugs, and she's yeah. just like, I am not as low as crack, you know. Anyways, but she, said yeah. she owns a business. Exactly, and I would love to know what kind of business it is, its name, so people can reach out, you know, definitely. Because if this woman is who she is based on her behavior, she is a very racist individual, and she seemed like she's got a fair number of issues going on. And so I think taking some of the obligations of her business off of her plate just to make her life a little bit easier would probably be appropriate, especially because we don't want to continue to fund businesses where owners are racist and essentially disgusting. Disgusting like this. You know, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say whatever business she owns is not one that we would normally frequent anyway. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> whatever point. Whatever it may be. <laughs>
with brown hair, blue eyes, and a butt and a bushy white beard, and says he had been convicted of a crime in 1994. Why is that important? Shane Lee Brown, however, is five uh, five foot seven, and was not even born when the other Shane Brown was convicted. I mean, wait a minute. Once again, these are investigators. These are investigators that have all of this information right in front of them as they are arresting the wrong man, right? The younger Brown was held in the Henderson Detention Center from eight until 10 January 2020. He was then transported to Clark County Detention Center after a bench warrant issued by Las Vegas police certified that Shane Brown was the man wanted in the felony warrant. A judge authorized his release on the 14th of January 2020 after having been informed of his identity by who? A public defender. Big ups to this public defender, by the way, I'm Shannon L. Phoenix. Shane Lee Brown was not charged with any crime and is seeking a jury trial and more than $500,000 in damages. All right. So they're playing hide the pickle again. They don't want to tell us. All of the officers and supervisors involved in this debacle and false arrest of a black male. So let's put up the pictures of the people in charge, okay? In addition to the two police departments, the lawsuit also names Sheriff Joseph Lombardo and head of the Las Vegas Police, Henderson Chief of Police, Thedrick Andres, you see them pictured there. Now, they also, or the young man is also suing the city itself, all right? So they are all named in the lawsuit. This is now on our radar because of the lawsuit. This was not on our radar when it initially happened. Big ups to this young brother for actually using the court in order to hold law enforcement accountable for what they did. Adrian, is there a case here? Well, I would definitely like to think that there is something that this man is entitled to without question, because you cannot tell me that that was reasonable. As you mentioned, all of those facts and the fact that he didn't match in any way this description of this much older man, it tells me that they are not acting reasonably. And if anything, they should not be able to take advantage of any kind of you know shield in terms of liability, because you just can't justify something like that. You just cannot. Let me tell you how bad things are. This is what I started to think, and maybe I'm wrong, but maybe I'm right. What if the police officers realized this was not the right guy? And they decided to arrest him anyway because he said something they didn't like. Or there was a disagreement, or there was somebody extremely prejudiced on the scene and wanted this person to go to jail regardless. And out of all of these officers and all of the supervisors who were involved, you mean to tell me that one of them said, hey guys, the math ain't adding up here. This person was born here, this person is white, this person had a conviction before this person was born. You mean to tell me out of all of the officers and supervisors involved, not one of them looked at the paper? Not one of them looked at their screen and realized this was not the right person? Doesn't make sense to me, Adrian. You know, I I get it, you know, we say, hey, you know, there are some police officers extremely negligent, but this negligent, all of them at the same time? Doesn't pass the smell test to me, but we're gonna continue to follow the story. There's a cop, there's a police officer who intentionally ran over a suspect. That's how I see it, you tell me, here's a video. 
What did that look like to you? Hmm? Looked unintentional? Uh, let me give you the background. Lake Worth, Texas, former police officer now, uh, has been hit with a civil lawsuit after intentionally mowing down a suspect during a pursuit. This happened November of 2020. We now have the video and the lawsuit. The man hit his name, Dustin Bates, all right? Dustin Bates, let's, we got his picture. While we have the former officer's name, Jonathan Granado, there is no confirmed photo of him. So per our guidelines, right here on the disputable, here's the chief, okay? JT Monoshagian, something like that. <laughs> I don't care if I get his name right. Uh, he's the guy in charge, he's the guy playing hide the pickle, put his name up again. Put his picture up again, all right? He's the guy playing hide the pickle, he doesn't want us to know who the cop was. Uh, doesn't want a picture of the cop out there, so we'll just put his picture out there, all right? The lawsuit accuses then officer Jonathan Granado of using excessive force when he did in fact hit Mr. Justin Bates with a police SUV. Now remember, this is not a regular cruiser, this is an SUV. Uh, Bates was unarmed, uh, but did not pull over for a traffic stop due to a license plate issue uh, while riding a motorcycle. The incident was captured on the dash cam as you saw, all right? Um, this is extreme because Mr. Bates suffered fractured ribs, a broken uh, red light and a fractured, excuse me, a broken red right leg and a fractured spine because of this incident. The Fort Worth Star Telegram reported this. Police said those injuries could have occurred because he lost control of his motorcycle. That's what the cops are saying. Now, I want you to understand how extreme these guys are. They're claiming that Bates hurt himself when he left his motorcycle. A man that has all of these injuries, did that look like a person running with a broken leg? Hmm? I mean, all of a sudden, evidence doesn't matter. All of a sudden, common sense and logic should not apply when the cops are on the line. So the cops are saying, no, 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 no. He he broke his leg and you know his ribs got injured because of the motorcycle accident or him jumping off the motorcycle. Had nothing to do with the police officer running him down with the SUV. Okay, um, they've decided to take no criminal action against the officer. The officer was allowed to resign, uh, Adrian, because they know he did something insanely criminal, but they are covering it up. What are your yeah, thoughts? Absolutely, it definitely seems to be the case. Uh, once again, it's the fact that these actions are not reasonable, that this person is abusing their power. And you know, I definitely would want the young man to move forward in terms of litigation, because you cannot tell me that that was a reasonable action in some way, and that this individual should be entitled to qualified immunity or anything of the sorts. They should have been handcuffed, they should have been held accountable for criminal liability. But even where essentially the system is so broken that accountability ends, there has to be something out there to give some semblance of justice. Well said, I gotta bring everyone's attention to a disturbing trend in our criminal justice system, okay? Prosecutors and judges are violating common law, years of common law practice to allow rap lyrics to be introduced in order to gain convictions of defendants in their courtroom. This is actually happening. Let me highlight Meek Mill, Jay-Z, Big Sean, Fat Joe and others who are campaigning to stop the use of rap lyrics as evidence in court. They want this to be thrown out.
under a new bill titled Rap Music on Trial. The new law would block any rap lyrics written and used by an artist, used against them to prove guilt as commonly happens in criminal trials, okay? So let me first tell you why this is so important, okay? Number one, it only applies to rap lyrics, okay? It only applies to rap songs. They're not doing this for country and rock, even though they rap about guns and drugs and violence in those songs. They're not using it for that, they're only using it as it relates to the genre of rap. Well, that's dominated by 98% African Americans. All right, you see the connection? This is a complete violation of artistic expression. It's an author and a narrator. It's coming from a fictional character that's called your stage name. So literally a fictional character who says something in an artistic expression that can be used in a court of law against them. That's like saying if you are an actor or actress, one of your characters should be used against you in the court of law if you are arrested and charged with a crime. Or maybe an author and some crime happens and they wanna use what you have written as elements of your guilt or potential probative value to say that you're guilty. It gets deeper. I'm gonna give you a lot of background to this cuz some of you may disagree with me, but hopefully at the end of this, you on my side. First reported, Rolling Stone first reported the ongoing campaign on Tuesday where they revealed that Jay-Z is taking charge of the new proposed New York State law backed by other rappers and artists like Kelly Rowland and Robin Thicke, okay? Speaking on why the new legislation is close to home, Fat Joe told Rolling Stone and I quote, Our lyrics are a creative form of self-expression and entertainment, just like any other genre. We want our words to be recognized as art rather than being weaponized to get convictions in court. So let me tell you how slick they are. How is it that you can introduce artistic expression as proof against the defendant in court? Well, the way they do this, the way prosecutors have been able to do this is they bring an expert on the stand, typically in a pretrial motion. And they testify many times as a police officer. And they testify that rap lyrics actually are not artistic expression. That rap lyrics are factual statements. And they get the judge to make a ruling in this pretrial motion that yes, rap lyrics can be used because we're not going to consider them protected artistic expression. That's the way they're getting around the common law practice. Okay, in a high profile ruling, this was back in 2014, the Supreme Court of New Jersey found in a unanimous decision in 2014 that the use of rap lyrics was inappropriate. In effect, the court recognized the distinction between reality and art, author and narrator. One would not presume, this was what the court wrote, one would not presume that Bob Marley, who wrote the well known song, I Shot the Sheriff, actually shot a sheriff. Or that Edgar Allan Poe buried a man beneath his floorboards as depicted in his short story, The Telltale Heart. Simply because of their perspective artistic endeavors on those subjects, wrote the court. Defendants lyrics should receive no different treatment. New Jersey Supreme Court had it right. They did not blur the lines, it was simple, it was precise, it was logical, it was clear. And the rules applied equally to everybody in the artistic expression genre. That's how you do it, right? Well, prosecutors are seeing it differently as well as some judges. Unfortunately, rap lyrics do receive different treatment all the time. 
In order to get highly prejudicial rap lyrics or videos in front of a jury, prosecutors often with the help of police experts will effectively deny rap music the status of art. Do you see how they're doing it? They will literally make a case that rap music should not be classified as art in order to usurp the justice system and utilize prejudicial information against a defendant in which 98% are African American in the rap game, okay? In a judicial opinion filed in 2021, the state of Maryland's highest court ruled that rap lyrics may be admitted in court as evidence of a defendant's guilt. This blatantly racist decision is a travesty that sets a dangerous precedent. Now, let me remind you, they won't allow it to exonerate anybody. It can't be used to speak to your innocence. It can only be used to prove your guilt. How sad is that? A new study published last week, and this was actually done a while ago, but the article says last week, it was done last year, the year before. So this study highlighted how many references to drugs are in songs. So the study showed, and it's published on addictions.com, that country music actually tops the list. Country music tops the list of genres that reference drugs the most. Country music, country artists sing about drugs more than any other musician, the study found. More than rock stars and rappers, that study is still there on the site. So you mean to tell me that country music artists, they actually sing about drugs more than any other musical genre? In the United States of America, based on a bona fide study that is published and readily available, how many country artists who have been arrested for drugs had their lyrics used against them? Not one. Not one in the United States of America. Not one time has a prosecutor even tried to introduce a country music star's lyrics to prosecute them for a drug case. Never happened. And it won't. Because they don't fit the narrative, even though they fit the bill. So let me be very clear about this. This is why I'm irritated by this whole thing. Jay-Z and Meek Mill, nobody should have to push lawmakers to create a law that says, you know, rap is actually music. Rap should be protected artistic expression. It always has been. It always has been. And the unequal application here is staggering. Never is it applied to any other musical genre, only rappers. This is a problem, all right? And I'm not saying that prosecution or prosecutors should not do their job. Do your job, damn it, don't break the rules to do it. Use the evidence that you have. We have a lot of hearsay exemptions and hearsay rules that you gotta follow. You gotta follow this rule. Adrian, am I off basis here? Prosecutors no. should follow the rules. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? Everybody should follow the rules, but as we know, they don't apply to everybody. Yeah. And also, as we're seeing here, people are shaping and creating the rules in such a way that they can effectuate racism. And that's just newer forms of racism popping up every day. The one thing I will say is I'm not completely focused on the holding in that Maryland case, but I think that case did say you could use rap lyrics because it was convicting the rapper himself. And it was a thought that if he's rapping about 
about murdering someone in a particular way that it could be used as evidence when he is accused of murdering someone in that exact way. But when it comes to actually using rap lyrics in court against people who are listening to other people's lyrics, I think that that's that's just that's absurd and ridiculous and just a form of racism, just you know, a new convoluted form. And so I'm glad that people are speaking up and standing up because it's unacceptable. Yeah, and let me make this mention for the record: the majority of courts will not allow it. All right, the majority of courts will still say nope, that's off limits. But you know this, Adrian. This is how it starts. Mm-hmm. All right, you start setting precedent. Other jurisdictions do it, Supreme Courts per state start ruling in favor of it. And all of a sudden it becomes normative in how we do business inside of courtrooms. And we gotta stop it while it's here. All right, as always, sister, it's great having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. All right, well, you can check me out on Twitter at Adrian Law and on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. And you can check out my videos and my TYT segments overruled on Rebel Headquarters. And they're out there essentially just giving you the legal breakdown on all sorts of very interesting stories. It's always good, all right? I think I'm learning more in your law classes than in my law school. I just doubt keep it, it you're awesome. <laughs> Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.